Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Chris Riccobono, founder of 12-Year-Old Untuck It, which, as you know by now, launched as a direct-to-consumer brand focused on men's shirts made to be worn untucked. In June, along with Derek Jeter and other well-known athletes, he introduced an all-new brand, Greatness Wins, centered on performance athletic apparel. I wanted to ask Chris what learnings from Untuck It he's bringing to his new venture, why the activewear space was calling his name, and what roles his founding partners play in the business. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. So before we tuck, uh, tackle, I almost said Untuck It, <laughs> before we tackle the new venture, <laughs> let's let's check in on Untuck It. So I think last time we talked, there you were about... 80 stores in. I would love to hear about kind of where the, the state of the company. Did did the pandemic serve you well while everyone was on Zoom? What's been going down? Yeah, it's been a wild ride. We um, The pandemic did not serve us well, mainly because people transitioned into athleisure uh, kind of overnight. You know, you stopped going out to dinner, you stopped going on trips, you stopped going to work. That's when people wear untuckets. Um, when you're laying in your house, People wore, you know, athleisure. Now, we luckily had some great products, polos, Henleys, tees that that carried us through. But it was a a really rough period for for that reason, but also because we had 90 stores at the time. We had just opened in England. We had six in Canada. They all shut down. Um, And it was was a battle. But we survived. We knew there was going to be this massive pent-up demand. We knew that we were the, the literally the perfect post-pandemic product because along as we were nearing the end of the pandemic, everyone I knew um, who had worn suits their whole life said they just don't see themselves putting suits back on, but they still want to look good. They still want to you know look sophisticated. It's hard now because the pandemic, the, the, the real bad part of the pandemic has been gone now for a while. But if you remember, I mean, people went, I don't know, three, five months, not wearing anything but a pair of joggers. So to tuck in a white shirt into a crisp pair of uh, tan pants just wasn't going to happen. So people started wearing untuckets with jeans and it really hasn't changed today. I mean, I know this from all these firms. I mean, people are wearing untucked shirts to the office. Um, Before the pandemic, the world had gone to business casual. That helped us and propelled our growth. Post-pandemic, they've allowed pretty much anything as long as you look neat. So we're doing, this is the best year um, we'll ever have by a long shot. We always compare everything to 2019 um, when we were growing so fast. We're back there. We're profitable. Um, and it's it's just a great time to, to be at Untucket. I mean, that's a big, big thing, that word profitable. Yes, a big differentiator. Amazing. Um, tell me about your take on physical retail, those 90 stores and kind of how it proved risky business. Do you still believe in it? Are you still expanding that footprint? There wasn't one time during the pandemic, and I remember talking about this to my partner, we never gave in and said, I wish we didn't open these stores. We stood behind them. You can't operate a massive growing men's retail business without having stores. You can get to a point you're not going to lie. Like we want it to be a, we want to be a, we used to say the next great American brand. If you're going to be a brand that's around for 50 to hundred to 200 years, you need stores. Um, it also helps. Uh, it's not just what you do from a revenue perspective in that specific store. We ship from our stores. 
we um, it it's a marketing you know in our smaller stores where maybe the volume isn't as high we still it's like buying a cheap billboard um, there's just so many reasons but the biggest reason is and I used to laugh every time someone comes up and says brick and mortar is done I mean we have the customers who email us and like seventy percent of our customers demanded that we have stores. Uh, they want to touch and feel the product. They're already starting that with Greatness Wins. Um, so stores are important. They're never going away. I will say right now in the major cities, our stores are struggling um, because there's no one there. You know what I mean? In the Chicago's, San Fran, New York, downtown Boston, the 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 um, neighborhoods have changed for the worse in many cases. That's going to take time. But our majority of our stores are profitable. Traffic's starting to come back. Now, there are, there are some, obviously, there are many people who got comfortable shopping online over the pandemic, but that it'll just take some time and it'll go back to normal because shopping is a, uh, you know, a mall is not, I used to laugh because a mall is a hobby. It's, it's not a hobby, a, um, an activity. It's an event. It's something you do on a weekend. You know, you, if you're not doing anything, oh, I'll go to the mall, right? You go have lunch, you go, that's going to be there forever. And if your store's there, when these people walk by for lunch or whatever they're there for, then you can take advantage of it. So I stand by brick and mortar. It's a must for me if you're going to grow a brand. I hear you. I haven't caved to the online shopping. I am a go out and go shopping, and that is my day. <laughs> um, definitely. Did you already have, you mentioned kind of um, a, a shipping point, a point, a, a distribution center that, that the stores are. Did you already have those kind of, um, I guess I'm using the word omnichannel, my apologies, but those capabilities prior to the pandemic, were you using your your stores to as much to your advantage as, as you are now, I guess? Yeah, because it's a great way to get through inventory. I mean, if you have, you know, 60 units left, um, you can put them in your stores. And then if someone wants them online, they can they can buy online. We also have a, I mean, it goes both ways. We, we sell a lot of product, probably 20%. Um, from our stores that ends up shipping to the customer, meaning they order it online while in store. So it's just going back and forth. And and um, we have customers, people think that, you know, if you're an online customer, you're an online customer. If you're a store customer, you're a store customer. It's not the case. They go from a store to online to store online, wherever they are. They also have a great experience. I should have added that the long-term value of a customer goes way up when they shop in stores. They have they get a connect they're connected to us they they enjoy the experience we have a great experience in many of our stores we used to be all of them almost all of them but now with the pandemic it changed a little bit we have scotch there we have an area to sit there's this, there is this camaraderie with Untucket of you see a lot of back and forth of how much they like the shirt or have they tried it or what size you know we have a huge portion of men who shop higher than most brands because they enjoy it they really do talk about maintaining that store experience because I mean even just staffing a store with great people who really get the brand and can and can provide the level of service that meet your expectations. I'm, I'm sure that was a challenge as, as I'm hearing throughout the industry. It's still a challenge to hire people. Um, you know, it's, it's very hard. Uh, we have some great dedicated people who've been with us since day one. They, they were out there during the pandemic, uh, which was amazing to me as I was hiding in my house. <laughs> um, but but they they carried us through, um, and it's starting to become a little. Just just recently, we're starting to see it uh, be a little easier to to hire some talent. Um, you might you know you pay a little more, you kind of find the right people. But I think that's hopefully a problem in the past. We haven't had had as much trouble recently. I mean, it depends a little bit geographically. 
Um, but it seems to be coming back to normal. The only problem, not problem, the only unique thing is there are these 10 stores that I don't see coming back for years. I hate to say, like, it's just, it's an environment thing. You know, the areas on Fifth Ave and um, obviously it's Chicago. I mean, you just hear it on the news. You, you know, you, you can see it's just not a safe environment in many of these areas where our stores are. So that is what it is. I mean, if, as long as we're profitable in the other 75, then then we can live with that and let it take its time to come back. Are there certain markets in the States in particular where you're really seeing opportunity that maybe you hadn't before? I'm hearing a lot of, I don't know, Nashville and Dallas and Austin and I, I don't know, runs the gamut, but where are you seeing it? Yeah, no, those, all those places are doing great. I think I just saw that our Denver store is doing amazing. Um, I mean, we have many stores that are comping up over 19, which is great to see. But yeah, Nashville seems to be a lot of people move there or are moving there now as we speak. And of course, Florida, that happened. Our Florida's, our Florida's, I mean, this, everyone knew this, our Florida stores, our Texas stores, they remain pretty strong even during the pandemic because they just had a different view on, on Corona. So it was, uh, they kind of kept us going. Well, talk to me. Let's jump into Greatness Wins. Was this a pandemic project? Like you said, you saw the F- well, athleisure for one, but also activewear trending up. Um, what, was this already a conversation with Derek Jeter? I, I would love to know about when he came into the mix. But yeah, when did this all, the conversation start, I would say? You know, I get bored pretty easily if I'm not working on something. And over the pandemic, <clears throat> I went from working, you know, 15-hour days to not having much to do because we were kind of on, we weren't ordering inventory you know, we weren't spending any money, so we cut our marketing way back. So it was really just monitoring. We had a, we had a huge team that we at the, you know started cutting a little, unfortunately, like many brands. So I was I just had time. I was stuck here in the house um, with four kids under four and a half. So it was like I needed to kind of get my mind spinning again. And I always knew I wanted to try to disrupt another industry. I was just going to wait. And then obviously with this move to athleisure and with the time, I said, let me start to really play this one out. And I lo- I did. I went to ath- athletic wear because I really believed that there were, I always tell every entrepreneur who asks me about an idea, if there's not a need or you can't create a need, then to me, it's just too competitive to launch a clothing brand. In this case, I knew that the big athletic companies, a pa- uh, Quality has gone down over the years. There's no one who has disagreed with that comment. Um, they're legendary brands. They're great brands, but they're, they just don't, you know, for whatever reason, you know, really focus on quality, on specs. Um, that was the one. So I should say that the quality was the one thing. The, how well they wash, do they pill? The big thing for me, and, and really what I think's made on Tucket successful, even more than the kind of gimmicky perfect length, is the consistency in spec. I used to go and take 50 shirts from our big competitors and, and measure the same shirt in a large, and you'd have a four-inch difference. You know, like, and I knew that because when I used to find a pair of a shirt, a pair of jeans, whatever I wanted, and go back to buy the exact same one, they would fit totally different. And I found out why. It's very, very, very hard to get these factories to – to because this, you know, this stuff moves. It's very easy to misspec. We just said we can't, and we can't work with you if – that's what you're going to do. So, and we have to spend a lot of money on 100% inspections and all these different things. I knew that could be improved in the in the athletic business because as I was buying product during the pandemic, 
I was facing the same problem. The shorts fit good, the next pair fit bad. And then finally, I had this athleisure market, which no one wants to come into that. It's too, it's, it's doing so well, but the, there's some big guys in there who are doing very well. And I don't think there's a need for another one. So, but I, but one thing that I came across was that, that while I loved their product to lay on my couch, it wasn't meant to work out in. It was, it just, even though they, they marketed as, you know, you can wear this to church, you can wear this on the couch, you can wear this skiing, you can wear this running. I know being in the industry, that can't be. The fabrics aren't made like that. So if you want the best performance fabric, it's designed to work out. And now, it doesn't mean you can't lay on the couch in it, but it's not going to be the the absolute softest product you've ever bought. It's not. It's focus is performance um, and fit, performance and fit, same fit over and over again. Um, so I had my, I had my differentiator. I knew where I was going to be. I was going to be a unique in a unique area in the market that didn't exist. There has not been a new true athletic brand that's come into the market since Under Armour. When I say athletic brand, there is, um, you know, some of these brands like No Bull or these brands that do, um, CrossFit and stuff to me, an athletic brand. And we're not there yet because we're just rolling out new product is, has all the sports. They have their soccer, they have basketball, they have you know, you rarely see a pair of basketball shorts next to a really short pair of workout shorts. Um, obviously, Athleisure doesn't do that, and the big brands do, but there's been no one new into the space, which I'm not sure why, but that was another reason, that it was time for an upgrade in in in, um, in true athletic apparel. So then I said, I need an expert. I'm not an expert. I should bring on some of the greatest athletes who've ever played. I had a great relationship with Wayne um, from Untuck It!, he cares about the product. He's the great one, kind of fit, you know, perfectly. Um, and then I had heard that Jeter and Nike's relationship had ended, but I never thought in a million years I'd, Jeter would join. I mean, he's notoriously impossible to, uh, he doesn't do a lot of deals. He just doesn't. He's recently started a little bit. Um, and he's kind of one of those athletes that transcends this game. I mean, he's kind of a legend in a way. There's only 10 of these guys or five of these guys. Um, so I began conversation with him, took a while to really get him there. He had a lot of viewpoints on his own, which I loved. He wanted to be very involved. You know, that was one of the things like these guys are not ambassadors. They are founders. You know, like we have our standing weekly calls. We have our, you know, he needs to see the product. He wants to, to be involved in the, the designs. Um, so he just got very excited about it. And uh, and then he wanted to bring a well, – we, we both wanted to bring a female on because we wanted a women's line. And he wanted Misty Copeland because she's outside the box. She's different. She's unique. She's uh, She kind of changed that sport into now what is an at, thought of as an athletic sport. Um, so I just had this great team. I mean two of the greatest athletes of all time, three of the greatest athletes of all time, but two men – and Misty, and uh, and here we are. I mean, and yes, Wayne Gretzky, that is, for those who are not familiar with the great one. <laughs> Catch up. Um, this is great. So talk to me about, I mean, your roles. Like, you're all founders. You all own the business. Are, are different people falling into different, I guess, specialties where more of a CEO role versus more of a creative role? Yeah, we own. We all own the business. Misty's driving women's kind of completely separate. Um, Wayne is kind of we're we're trying to have him focus on golf. All he does, he loves to golf. He golfs all over the country on a regular basis. Obviously, he has his son-in-law with that attachment to golf, um, and he cares about 
you know, the comfort and fit of his golf clothing, although he helps in many other ways as well. Um, and then Derek is more, you know, I have a, I have another partner who's, um, you know, a significant COO. Um, I run kind of the day to day stuff right now. And then he, um, and then Derek's just, you know, involved every step of the way. We're going to launch what we hope to call the next great, uh, performance sneaker. He's going to play a huge, he had a, you know, one of the most successful sneakers at Nike for a non-basketball player ever. Um, so we're all, you know, when you're, when you're a startup, everyone does everything. It's kind of like whatever need, whatever you need at the time, um, you do, you know, you're just trying to get by. That's great. When's that sneaker rollout? It's going to take time. We want to make sure there's been some mistakes before us of people rushing. We want to make sure that this is a design from start to finish. It's going to probably take a year. We want to make sure that it's tested, that it's literally the best sneaker on the market. And, you know, eventually we're going, eventually we will, just like the other brands, eventually we will bring on some younger active athletes. We're getting tons of inquiries, uh, you know, at one thing I'd like to say, like, I love our name, Greatness Wins. People ask me about it. Why did I come up with that name? doesn't sound like a, like a brand. sounds like a, a, you know, you're saying something. And that's the best thing I ever did in my, in, ever with Untuck It. Everyone told me not to name it Untuck It. I have to name it something sophisticated. And I can tell you, we would not be here today if I didn't name it Untuck It. Um, it's become kind of the, you know, tissue and Kleenex or Xerox and copy machines. If someone's wearing a shirt untucked, they call it an untuck it, whether it's an untuck it or not an untuck it. And it also it makes you stick out when you're marketing, when you have these like greatness wins. When you're scrolling on Instagram, you say, wait, what is that? That's a clothing brand. Let me let me look into that. And it has a message to the young athletes that greatness does win. You know, so the feedback on the name has been amazing. Um, and I think it's a really important part of our brand and the stories we will be telling about what greatness is over time. Um, we're actually launching, we'll be launching our first commercial in, um, in November that I think will kind of give you that feel that those, if you remember, well, for me growing up, those Nike commercials did, you know, they kind of, they gave you a feeling when you were watching them and that's kind of what we're trying to do. We'll be right back after this quick break. I mean, who doesn't want to? That's a great way to get people involved to say <laughs> greatness wins to have that like next to their name. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's for sure. But like it, it also speaks to it's interesting how you call that one of the differentiators kind of quality control and kind of the greatness of the product. Like, is that a kind of how you envision it? Kind of that interplay? Yeah. And we're not the one thing we will do different, like everything in our mind, we want to be great. Like we're not going to we'll we will work maybe with one wholesaler at the right time. We're not going to be one of these brands like, unfortunately, most of the athletic brands now you can buy at any store, you know, at any price. You know, we are a premium product. We are only going to work with guys when we go to sponsor. We've had a lot of people asking great athletes to if they can work with us. And we said from the beginning, like Wayne, Misty, Derek have to all agree that this person is special. This is something unique. This, you know, both on and off the field. And we're going to be very selective in who we sponsor. Um, it's not going to be, let's just go sponsor every athlete who comes out of college. Um, so there's a lot of things that, you know, when you have some of these names involved, you want, they want the best, you know, and, and it, and the product has to be the best. We can't have all the different names involved in this brand and not deliver. You know what I mean? It's, it's funny. It was like launching a brand as a startup, but, but it, the expectations were so, are so big because of obviously my experience with Untuck It and then these guys who are involved. So it's yeah. very exciting. 
It is exciting. You mentioned a commercial in November. Um, obviously, a lot of us know Untucket commercials and know um, you from Untucket commercials. But um, tell me about that, I guess, marketing mix. Like, will TV commercials be a big part of the um, the budget, the investment? Yeah, I mean, our, I, I'm a strong believer in, in a lot of brands, this is since we launched, just do digital marketing, you know, that they've always done that. And we kind of were the first in Untucket to go into airline magazines. You know, we did newspapers every week, radio, podcast, TV. And the technology is so good now. You can track people right down. To, you know, if you're watching our commercial, if they go on their computer and buy, we know that. So TV does very well for Untucket. I'm assuming it will do well for greatness. And you need all these things happening at the same time. You know, your digital stuff, your press, your PR side, and your TV um, and even newspapers here and there and airline magazines, it all kind of comes together. It's like when it, what used to happen with Untucket is like they, people come up and say, I see you everywhere. Literally, you're everywhere. And that over time leads to people converting. So it's a very important part of the, of the marketing mix. Got to hear the brand. How many times? At least seven. Some, some, some theory. Yeah. I don't know. But that's what uh, they say. Your, yeah, yeah. I know that um, on your site it says women's launching spring twenty twenty three. First of all, is it a, a lot of crossover in, in between the is or entirely unique teams between Untucket and Greatness Wins? Um, talk about your, I guess, expertise in in, in marketing and selling to women. Uh, did it, did it require some new hires beyond Misty? Um, how's the approach going to differ there? Yeah, they are two completely different businesses, Untucket and Greatness Wins. Um, we have a women's line that's doing well at Untucket that we launched um, a few years ago. We're starting to put more and more resources into that. Starting to, We never marketed for it. Now we'll, there, there's a woman on the front of our catalog for the first time with a man. Um, so that's an exciting. And then for the women's side, we have just we have a great team um, who's had a lot of experience. They're you know work with us as consultants. Um, and there were, Misty has her own vision about what she's, you know, Misty was a really big Under Armour, um, athlete, like really big. They, they spent a lot of money on her and did a lot of good things. So she has a lot of learnings of what she would do differently, what products, what she would do differently with the product. Um, I mean, women's listen, women's is very challenge, much different than running a men's business. Um, it's probably more competitive, but it's also harder to kind of crack and break, you know, if a woman wears a certain brand she's very comfortable with, it's tough to convert her. So it's a whole different, we're working on that stuff as we speak, but it will be a slightly different marketing message and story, but same concept that there is room for a higher end performance apparel on the market. And it's interesting on your site, there are so many, like you said, different sports listed, whereas maybe competitors are focused on Two specifically yoga and running. Um, talk to me about like the specialty. Uh, how specialty these different sports are, or the product uh, for these sports are. Is that necessary? Is that a a, a play that's a, an area you're going to lean into? Like this is not just for these sports that are obviously out there. We'll eventually have it all: tennis, soccer. I mean, when you when you actually look through these sports, and I kind of learned. They're really, you really wear the same stuff on a lot of them. You know, uh, you know, if you're a basketball player, you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt, you know, when you're practicing. Um, but the basketball short is a little bit different. The soccer short is a little bit different. Um, obviously there's tennis, which is significantly different, especially for women. 
So we'll be doing, we're going to start just like men's, which we, we picked some of the main products that people wear. And that's what we launched with. We'll be expanding, de- uh, developing our golf line more, adding some stuff for basketball. Then we'll come out with tennis, soccer. We're going to take our time. Obviously, those markets are much smaller. Um, but the same with women's. We'll start with some golf stuff. We'll start with the main sports that, you know, the, um, like you said, the yoga, the running. Um, but we will, we have stuff already designed for basketball and for other sports that we'll get into. And that is a differential. Like I said, the last brand to do that was Under Armour. And that's now 24 years ago. Amazing. To what extent are you going to leverage these athletes, your co-founders and their followings and um, make them the face of the brand and help help build up that, that um, I guess, familiarity? Yeah, it's important. Obviously, anyone and everyone is willing to talk to Jeter. Um, so we he will be slowly telling the story over the next few months. Same with Wayne. Um, Wayne's going on some press actually next week. It's important just consumers don't, the difference between an ambassador and a founder is a big deal. And it's very important that we get that message out there because unfortunately right now, if you quickly hear about greatness wins, someone says, oh, Jeter's involved. They just think, or Gretzky's involved, that they're just a paid ambassador. Um, That's just not the case here. And they need to know. Otherwise, the consumers are very smart now. If they see someone, uh, an ambassador post, and that's why it doesn't it doesn't work like it used to in the early days. If a guy with 25 million followers posts, it doesn't really do much for your business. You think it would, but people know right away that he's being paid. So with with Jeter and Gretzky, it's very important they tell the story that they they did this because they thought there was a need and that this truly is tremendous apparel uh, with a great fit that will last a long time. They need to hear it from them, you know, to believe it. Um, And that's part of our plan over the next few months. And what's your take on direct-to-consumer? You mentioned potentially linking with a wholesale partner. Um, Will this be online only for a good long while? Or where do you envision that going? Yeah, I'm not going to rush. I want to make sure that Corona is gone. Like, you know, I just want get to get through one more winter, make sure nothing strange happens with people's behavior or with a variant or whatever it may be. I mean, I've already been through it once, so... Um, so I'm not going to rush. I will eventually start to open stores. I like stores a lot more than wholesale, obviously the margins, but also you are own your own data. You get to learn about your customer, um, which we, uh, which you can't when you, you know, you work with a, with a wholesale partner. And I, I mean, we're going to work with some, a lot of getting a lot of interest in golf clubs and stuff like that. But those, those I really don't consider wholesale. They're just kind of one-off deals, but as far as a big partner, Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. Stores is a lot more important for me. and uh, But I'm just not going to rush it. I want to get a good year under our belt and see where the world, the state of the world, which is crazy right now, um, and then go from there. Right. Gosh, uh, 12 years in? Anyway, it's not the, the apparel industry that you knew when you launched Untuck It. As an entrepreneur, like, did you, were there like hard and fast rules? Like, I definitely don't want to do that this time. I mean, you maybe, maybe stores out of the gate. I know you, you didn't open your first stores till 2015, if I'm right. But anyway, what do you definitely, what, what, what learnings are you, I guess, bringing in to the new company that we didn't talk about? Yeah, I guess the, the main learning is, and I'm laughing because I told my partner who I brought on this day one, and he kind of just ignored it and recently came to me. 
is that there is so much pain being an entrepreneur and running these clothing companies. So much goes wrong. I mean, every day, whether it's stuff's late, stuff's out of spec, you can't take it, you can't sell it, the marketing, it goes on and on. And so most of the news is bad, but you have to ignore it and accept it and understand it's going to happen on a regular basis. I think that's for any entrepreneur. But I got so comfortable with it, really bad things will happen now. And I just say, okay, no problem. Let's move on here. Um, I wasn't like that on Tucket. It was weird on me, you know, and I just many sleepless nights by all these different things going wrong, um, especially from a production standpoint or, you know, customer service issues or all these different things. Um, so that's really the learning and it helps me not get worried. I also, it's just great knowing, I just know so many metrics of what they should be all over, you know, from launch until 10 years later. So I don't kind of panic if I don't see something performing versus performing, you know, and that's just knowledge I never had. And I have now, um, obviously getting a warehouse, getting up and running at a warehouse, I would have never been able, like all these things that just would have taken me years. It did take me years. Uh, we kind of just jumped right into it. Um, and that makes a huge difference because it's like I said, we're a startup, but we're not really a startup because we know, you know, at Untucket, we kind of, we were really early in the world of e-commerce. So a lot of these companies that we worked with tweaked things for us, um, learnings from what we, you know, issues we had or didn't have. So I know all the companies that are good and bad and partners of, you know, all the different things on our websites or, you know, referral programs, review programs, email platforms, um, all these different things. So it definitely gives you an advantage there just from having that experience. Yeah, I, you, that's interesting because, you know, there are others who have gone through the blood, sweat, and tears of, of starting a, a brand that's really proven successful. And it's not like a plug-and-play model, but, like, there's the Matt Scanlon who, who's doing more brands. There's Jens Greed who, like, found a formula that's working and tweaking it for the various, very successful brands. Like, is this... Do you see, again, it's not an exact repeat replica of how you pulled off Untuck It, but do you foresee baby steps one thing at a time, but like more company, more brands coming out in the future? And, and, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're figuring out how to divide your time now. <laughs> For me, more brands. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I'll ever launching this thing was so much hard. Like I forgot how, because really when we launched Untuck It, we were just, I was a sales rep at General Electric. I, w I just put together a terrible website, made mediocre products. I had no idea what I was doing. And um, and that was it. Here, we launched like we were a 10-year-old company with everything done. And so it just, it was hard. I mean, it just takes a lot of time. And so between that and a lot of time that I spend on Untucket, it's, uh, I, I think I'll go, at some point we'll need a break, you know. Um, but at the same time, I get bored very easily and this is exciting. It becomes kind of a competitive thing. You just, you want to succeed. You want to, um, so we'll see, um, if I find another area that I think needs improvement or another area that doesn't have something that I personally want, a product that I want, then I probably will come out with it. Cause I, you know, um, I'm a big believer in the best ideas come from things that you need personally. So we'll see. We got, first, I got to get this brand to, to be a success. It's a long road.
You mentioned the uncertainty of the pandemic um, and kind of where we're going from here. Do you dare put specific goals around around the business at this point, like a five-year plan? Uh, where do you stand on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I have goals. They're, they're big goals um, because, you know, I want to... I want this to be a long lasting brand here. I don't want this just to be a small, I, you know, little brand. Um, I want to kind of reach the levels of Untucket and beyond. Um, so I don't, I can't, I won't share the financial goals, but they are, they are big plans here, you know, um, just like Untucket. I mean, Untucket to me is just getting going. We had those two years off in my mind, 20 and 21. And now we're going to continue into, you know, major international expansion and, our other products are performing tremendously well. Um, so we're growing, you know, we're growing fast. Um, so untuck it. It's not like I'm at the end there. I'm just kind of in my mind getting going there as well. Same focus markets, Canada, UK, uh, beyond at this point. Yeah. We're more in Europe. We're, we're going to explore Europe. Now everything's a little bit slow because we want to make sure this pandemic is done because obviously overseas have even different rules than we do and beliefs. And, but we will be picking it up the second you know, I think, I think we, once we get through the end of this year, assuming everything's fine, then we can fully put us behind us. That's my opinion, but what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> You've seen some things. Oh my gosh! Well, excited to see all greatness wins does. This was an awesome conversation, Chris. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for your time. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to The Glossy Podcast. See you next week.